Welcome to the WBGO Journal. I'm Doug Doyle. Today, the midterm elections are almost here, and WBGO reporter Bob Henley will join us to run down the important races in New Jersey and New York. There's bread and butter issues that are asserting themselves. After getting the prices of oil and gas at the pump under control, we've seen an uptick again as voters head to the polls. We've also seen a lot of anxiety related to health care. And we'll meet the black fairy godmother, Simone Gordon. She has an amazing story to tell. I went on to social media, started fundraising, helping people. Many celebrities, authors, yoga instructors, they all joined forces and helped me help people. And that's how I got the name the Black Fairy Godmother. People were just chanting that I was just feeding people, housing people, all the above. Ended the end of um, 2019 with 14,000 followers and the rest goes history from there. All this coming up today on the WBGO Journal. Even though election day is more than a week away, early voting is already underway in New Jersey and New York, as well as throughout the nation. And while the presidency is not at stake this year, control of both the House of Representatives and the U.S. Senate are very much in play, with Democrats facing an uphill battle to maintain their tenuous control of both houses. With us now to talk about the midterm elections is WBGO's Bob Henley. Thanks for joining us, Bob. Thanks for having me. This is going to be the first federal election since the January 6th insurrection and the highly controversial 2020 presidential election. There's a lot more at stake this time than control of Congress, isn't there? Yes, because the question of 2020 is still, for many people, a jump ball. Even though there was no finding of fraud and all of the uh, challenges that were uh, put across by Trump and his supporters in the courts were rejected, there's been no independent confirmation of of any election fraud of uh, of uh any quantity that would have had an impact on the result, uh, we are still seeing around the country, I think by some estimates, 60% of voters will have to choose candidates uh, for the Senate or the House that actually deny that the 2020 election was won by President Biden. This will be unprecedented territory. And so in the event that the Republicans gain control uh, or the Senate or both, what we'll see is a suspension of the January uh, 6th process, the commission that was put together uh, that is composed of members of the House, Republican and Democrat, uh, who have been looking into the situation that led up to the insurrection. They have so far managed to uh, raise serious questions about the role of the sitting president at the time, Donald Trump, We've even had situations where parts of the national security agencies that are a part of the bedrock got themselves caught up in this scandal. We saw the Secret Service lose uh, key texts that would account for what they did that day and what they knew running up to it. So it would actually mean that the insurrection prevailed in the sense that election deniers would be in control uh, and the party that supports them, the GOP, if they win back Congress. Historically, turnout in the off-year elections lags behind the presidential year by a lot. We saw a real uptick in 2020. Will the same level of engagement carry over for the congressional races? Well, so historically, uh, it's important to know that Americans' participation in elections lags the rest of the world. It averages for presidential years around 60%, off-year congressional about 40%. In um 
to get a sense in 2020, there was an uptick. 66.7% of uh, eligible voters turned out in um, in the presidential election. That was up considerably from 60% in 2016. In the uh, Historically, in the off-year election, like the prior year, 2014, that was before the 2016 presidential election, 36.7% turned out. But that jumped in 2018 to 50%, which was like, a decade's high. And it's important to know that here in New Jersey, we were engaged in a big way. 75.3% turned out in 2020, well above the national average. And 53% turned out in that 2018 uh, off-year uh, congressional election. And in 2020, by contrast, New York State was really a laggard. 63% turned out for that battle between Trump and Biden. And only 45.7% turned out for the 2018 midterm when democrats really asserted themselves and captured the house so let's talk about this year's races and issues what issues seem to be in play from all the reporting you've done well i there's no doubt about the fact that we are still dealing with the after effects of the economic dislocation from the pandemic and so you have a situation where we have a run-up in inflation uh, there's bread and butter issues that are asserting themselves after getting the prices of oil and gas at the pump under control. The uh, We've seen an uptick again as voters head to the polls. We've also seen a lot of anxiety related to health care. Uh, we've covered uh, the fact that uh, we saw in New Jersey where public workers are looking at a 20 to 24 percent increase in premiums for their health insurance. Similar battles are going on with the New York City public workforce. Across the country, federal workers are seeing potentially a double-digit increase, which means that in this inflationary environment, whatever little bit of additional pay raise they might get will, when you factor in the health the care premiums, will be a pay cut. So there's a lot of anxiety out there about economic issues. So in addition to the anxiety related to these economic pressures, we're also seeing the uh, the opportunity present itself for voters to weigh in for the first time since the Supreme Court uh, basically uh, reversed Roe versus Wade, which turned stood on its head a 50-year precedent that protected the right of women to have uh, control over their bodies in the form of reproductive freedom. That's an unprecedented rollback of human rights. We've never experienced anything like that. The American story up to now, Doug, has been a progression of progress, some setbacks, but overall, we've been moving towards a more perfect union. This was a surprise in the sense that for years, Republicans said it was going to happen. And I think they're going to be like the dog that caught the bus because the reaction across the country has been resounding. And we've seen some races that weren't in play where Republicans were going to win all of a sudden very much in play. Mm. With control of the House of Representatives likely to be determined by just a handful of races, which ones in New Jersey are commanding national attention? Well, there's no doubt about it that the 7th uh, Congressional District that uh, Representative Tom Malinowski holds, he's a Democrat, he's going up against a name that's well-known, uh, Thomas Kane Jr. He was uh, the minority leader in the Senate. Of course, he is the son of Tom Kane, a widely respected um, and admired governor, uh, former um, co-chair of the 9-11 Commission. Uh, Malinowski ran into some trouble with some of his stock holdings. He uh, ran afoul of some ethics regulations. He came out of the Obama State Department. 
that district when they, of course, were also, this is the first year that we're going to get this new congressional map because we've had the census. And so it has tipped a little bit towards Tom Kane's uh, benefit in the sense that there's more Republicans added into it. And so that really is a is going to be a, a bellwether. And of course, the big challenge for Tom Kane is the fact that he is um, very much kind of had this odd uh, relationship with the Trump wing. So he's in some ways he's flirted with it. And so he's very much moved to the right from what we normally expect uh, New Jersey Republicans historically to do. But that that's been happening for a long time where mainstream or moderate Republicans have had to migrate to the right to get the enthusiasm from the base that seems to be really driving the party. And that race is really the one that we see most when it comes to ads on television. Uh, for the control of that one. Not anything like we see in the Pennsylvania races where they're just bombarding the media uh, right. and, and, and viewers with that. In New York, voters are choosing a governor. Give us your sketch of that race. So uh, you have uh, Governor uh, Kathleen Hogel out of Buffalo. She was lieutenant governor uh, to uh, Go uh, Governor Andrew Cuomo who resigned in kind of a uh, a really flame out related to some allegations related to improprieties of uh, sexual nature. Uh, she came in and kind of stabled the state, even though the pandemic wasn't resolved, it's still not resolved. She's being challenged by a very energized uh, candidate in uh, former um, House member Lee Zeldin out of Suffolk County. And in the last couple of days, I have to tell you, that race has tightened. One of the issues that, you know, Zeldin has, just like Kane, his own baggage with trying to maintain relationships with the Trump base that are election denialists. He has tried to moderate to the center so that he can appeal to the independents that are really determinative in any race. And yet uh, the reality is that it's a kind of situation where the congressional races are also going to have an impact here. Like you could have the effect of people turning out for a gubernatorial race, which usually bumps up turnout, and also people who are energized about wanting to, Hochul could be a beneficiary of people knowing, hey, these congressional races really matter, and I'm going to turn out, and that could have an updraft to her benefit. Which House races in New York will you be looking most closely at because of their potential national ramifications? Well, certainly uh, Staten Island, uh, District 11, because you have there Nicole Malatakis, who is a Republican incumbent, and she's uh, being challenged by Max Rose, who himself was a congressman. And that was a, a flip situation where he was he won it in 2018, wasn't able to hold it. And so now it's kind of a rematch. But we're seeing all the same national issues played out locally in certainly an area that's front and center in our listener area. A lot of people are still concerned about you know, what has happened with counting ballots and how that all happens. And before you go, what should voters do if they show up at the polls and their name is not on the rolls? Well, first of all, they shouldn't be faint-hearted. And it's important to know that people died for the right to vote. And we owe it as individuals who've been blessed with health to be able to go to the polls to make sure that we assert ourselves in a polite way. Everyone in New York and New Jersey have a right to what's called a provisional ballot. And you just find the poll worker or the official there 
and you are respectful and ask for a provisional ballot, what this is is a a kind of like affidavit. They will give it to you. You fill it out. You explain what you think, you know, uh, that you believe that you are entitled to vote because it does happen, Doug. It does happen, especially with the census and with the recalibration that you could have dropped off the rolls. And there's some mischief from time to time where it may not be carried over. So what happens is that provisional ballot is sealed and it will be examined at a later date and you can track these. And then at least you can make sure that if they get back to the home office and they look at it and you you, you have some chance that it will count. And uh, that would actually be a good story to follow up on because this is people need to assert themselves, especially in, the, in this election. And it is possible in our age of computer technologies, as we all know, to fall off the list. And where will you be spending election night? I I will probably be traveling around um, because that's the, you know, this is a shoe leather kind of thing. And because of what's going on right now with this stuff that's happening where people do feel they're acting out of some kind of sense of um, the unresolved issues of 2020, it's important for the media to be out in the field because we're already seeing in some early states some some just really difficult things, the kinds of things that we used to see in the deep South where people of color were targeted by the Klan. We're now starting to see this kind of voter suppression throughout the country. I mean, let's face it, Doug, did you ever think you'd see the stars and bars inside the Capitol after a violent takeover where we almost lost control of the building that even during the Civil War, the South didn't enter? WBGO reporter Bob Henley, always on point, and doing the in-depth reporting that's so valuable to everyone. Bob, thanks for joining us, and happy Election Day. Thanks. Joining us on the WBGO Journal is the Black Fairy Godmother. We'll be talking about her foundation. Simone Gordon is the Black Fairy Godmother. You may or may not have heard of her, but her story is quite impressive. And a lot of people can relate to you, Simone. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Now, coming up on November 5th, at 6 p.m. at the Newark Museum of Art in Washington Street in Newark is a big event. The New Jersey-based Black Fairy Godmother Foundation's third annual Purple Diamond Awards. And you have the host, the hip-hop veteran and activist Yo-Yo, as part of that big event coming up. But we need to find out about the foundation first. And before we do that, we have to know Simone's story. And uh, after this interview, you'll be picking up your 12-year-old son, Jarvis. And so... It all kind of started with some frustration 
when you were reaching out to find out some information about Jarvis. Take us back to that day. My son was diagnosed May 2017 with autism spectrum disorder. And after he was diagnosed, three weeks later, I was laid off from a Fortune 500 company. So I got hit with two whammies, right? So I went to many social services uh, places and nonprofit organizations. There was either waiting list or the door kept being slammed on me. So I went to social media and I asked for help. And I joined a group where there were four women who decided to take a chance on me. Um, one went ahead and looked on LinkedIn and contact Children's Specialized Hospitals so that my son could get the services that he needed. And right then and there, a chairperson from the hospital contacted me and my son was able to get those services. The second woman who was an angel, her and her husband decided to take a chance on me. And I owed a tuition bill. That's the reason why I couldn't go back to college. And that was my dream. They paid that previous um, bill and they put me back in school. And I graduated June 3rd out of Essex County College in North New Jersey. And I'm going to go further with my degree in nursing and public health. And the third woman decided every month that she was going to purchase Depends from Target and Wipes just to help me out a little, you know. So I decided with those women who helped me out, I want to help others. So I told them all the family members and friends and people that have coffee with and go to the hair, you know, the hair salon and play chess or whatever. Let's form a group. And we joined a group called Wishless Angels. I went on to social media, start fundraising, helping people, many celebrities, authors, yoga instructors. They all joined forces and helped me help people. And that's how I got the name, the Black Fairy Godmother. People were just chanting that I was just feeding people, housing people, all the above. And I went on to IG, started October 2019 with 100 followers. And I ended the end of um, 2019 with 14,000 followers and the rest goes history from there. It's an amazing story. And it's also one that shows the power of social media. We hear so many negatives about social media, but in this case, you reached out and people responded. We've heard of these types of stories before, but yours is special because you have taken it much further. You got support and now you want to help others. And through your foundation, you have been able to help in so many areas that you just mentioned. And that's what's impressive about the Black Fairy Godmother Foundation is it's just not focused on one thing because there's so many people who need help. When you think about that first day that you reached out, I would imagine you had no idea that this would turn out the way it has, right? I didn't. That day I was in desperation and I just thought that somebody would just give me a pamphlet or give me a phone number, but I never knew that four women decided to take a chance and they were just strangers and they weren't rich. One, you know, had resources and she said, hey, I have a LinkedIn account, so let me utilize it. The other one put me in school and someone else made a phone call and another woman had coupons at Target and said, I'll buy you the Pampers and Wipes as long as you stay in school. So on our platform, we have the Angel Food Assistance Fund where we have groceries delivered directly to your home, also toiletries and medical supplies through Instacart. We have the Fairy Dust Scholarship Program. If you are a single mother from the ages of 21 and 40, you can go back to college. And then we have the Domestic Violence Fund where we relocate individuals who are experiencing domestic violence. So 
I'm just proud of all of the families that we assisted, um, all of the new beginnings and people are coming back that we helped to give back into, you know, uh, volunteer and help other families as well. So it's just a big, large community, 47,000 people all over the world, not just in the USA, but they're helping all over, even celebrities and authors. And I just love what I do and I'm going to keep doing it. Can you give us an example of somebody that you helped that, you know, they were either close to being in your shoes or in a different situation that you want the world to know about? Yes, we had a woman in New Jersey, um, in East Orange, New Jersey, last year was in a fire and a nonprofit organization um, placed her and her family in a hotel for two days. After the two days, they had nowhere to go. They had no shoes, no clothing or anything. So there was a friend of hers who said, you need to reach out to a young lady named the Black Fairy Godmother. And she gave me her story. She even said, hey, here's the fire report. You know, um, I'm, you know, I have nothing. What can you do? I said, can we put you in a hotel for a month and then work on stability? We can work on trying to get you back on your feet. And we did. We placed her in a hotel at the extended stay. Um, I believe it was in Elizabeth and we helped them get groceries. We helped. We did an Amazon list on social media and people bought clothing, sneakers, anything they needed. Um, a realtor reached out to me and said, hey, I could help out by looking for an apartment. Um, we raised the funds for their security deposit. We also furnished a home. Everything was like Amazon and Walmart, and they are now back on their feet. And now the mom is back volunteering and helping other families as well. I guess the next question is, how do you do it? Because as you mentioned, you have your 12-year-old son, Jarvis, who you're taking care of. And this has grown to such a worldwide, you know, uh, acknowledgement of the Black Fairy Godmother Foundation that your role is is got to be just real time consuming. Not only do you need funds and thus the fundraiser coming up in the, in the, in the gala, but help. So how have you been able to maintain and going to school and graduating and out furthering your education? What's your secret, Simone? <laughs> The secret is, honestly, spirituality. Um, I'm a very spiritual person. And by the end of the night, long as I know someone is being housed or fed, it fills a void in my heart. So that's the reason why I keep doing it, even though I get two hours of sleep. But we do have 50 volunteers across America who helps me out as well. So if I'm not able to get to certain things, we, you know, that we have a volunteer in that state that the person, you know, is in who can help in, step in and, you know, do other things. Because Black Fairy Godmother can't be everywhere. You know, I'm located in New Jersey, but I can't be everywhere. So, yeah, we have volunteers. Um, we screen the volunteers and make sure that they are who they say they are. And that's how I keep it going. I want the community to keep going. Simone Gordon is the founder and CEO of the Black Fairy Godmother Foundation is a nonprofit committed to helping those who make it through the tough times and find new success. So I guess you don't have that that wand that you can make everything happen for everybody as a fairy godmother, but you're pretty close. You've I'm been pretty doing close. <laughs> you've been doing it for a while now. Those before we talk about the uh the awards uh, event, those who want to volunteer because somebody may be hearing about you for the first time, how do they reach you? How do they get a hold of you? 
They can go directly to our website at www.theblackfairygodmother.org and click on contact and it will say volunteer and partnership. There is an email there that, that you can utilize. You can send us the email and we will get it started for you. The event is coming up on November 5th. That's Saturday at 6 p.m. And it's being held at the Newark Museum of Art, Washington Street here in Newark. And uh, tell us a little bit more about the third annual Purple Diamonds Awards. I know you're going to be honoring some people, including Mayor Baraka. Tell us about it. The Purple Diamond Award is our third annual award show, and it's going to be at the North Museum. We are going to be honoring um, our Mayor North, I mean, Ross Baraka, excuse me. And we also want to award many nonprofits and activists who are doing a lot of work in the community, but they don't get the recognition. So we're going to have companies come out, the nonprofits. Um, we have Kenny Lattimore and Jeff Red who will be performing. And we're going to show all of the stories in the back end of all the organizations and activists and what they do on a daily basis. They're going to show us things that we don't know and how others can get involved. I think it's very important for us to recognize people who are doing the work because at times, you know, they need to be recognized too. So each year we do that. And so many companies and so many other people partner and network with them that they turn out to do great things later on. So that's what the Purple Diamond Awards is all about. Community, having fun, smiling, and enjoying some great music. The Diamond Award is going to Angelo Ellerby, the president and CEO of Double Exposure Media. Tell us about Angelo and because uh, I know it's very important to you, Double Exposure. Double exposure means a lot to me. Um, Mr. Ellaby has helped me elevate the foundation to many ways. I met Mr. Ellaby at my lowest time because I was going to close the foundation during the pandemic because it was so much, but he kept me going on. He has changed the lives of many foundations, activists, artists, actors, you name it, he done it. And he is from North New Jersey. And he has a story where he came from where we come from a poor inner city. He danced, he acts, he became a CEO of his own firm and he has done it all. So a lot of the youth in the North community, they look up to him a lot and he doesn't get his flowers all the time. So this year I decided to give him his flowers and to showcase all the great work that he's done in the city and all the mentorship that he has done as well. And most of them are the rising stars of today in the music industry so that's fabulous and congratulations to angelo ellerby and all the other award uh, nominees and winners uh, that came up and will be uh, celebrated at the purple diamond awards on november 5th also uh, simone when you think about what you just mentioned covid march of 2020 changed her life i know you said that what do you want to tell us about how difficult that situation was, not only for you, but the people who you work with? You wake up one day with 12 volunteers. And the next day you go to sleep and you wake up and you're like the world changed and shut down. And it was so many people asking us for food, asking us for help. We had people overseas that were mailing families toilet paper and baby formula. We had to be creative. We were nonstop. We didn't eat at times. We had different people on social media go to different um, senior citizens' homes to 
give them their groceries and also give them their prescriptions and pick it up and deliver it. It was a lot to do, but I got it done. And we were able to raise 150000 in one week. And we were able to place people in hotels who were homeless, put food in people's mouths. And we also put pampers on some of the babies as well. We did it. That's something I'm proud of. And even that year, 522 families received Christmas that year because a lot of parents did not have jobs. So we done a lot and we overcame. It was exhausting, but I will never forget that year of COVID-19. Hmm. Has there ever been a time, because you want to help everybody, but there are some families that you just don't have the resources to. So what do you do in that type of situation? We have two peer assistants that are on our team. And if we are unable to help a family, we will contact someone in their community to see if they can help. And we will let the family know, hey, the foundation cannot assist because our caseload is full, but we have another organization who can assist you further. So we never leave a family hanging. We always try our best to get the resources that we can for them. Simone Gordon is the Black Fairy Godmother, and the Black Fairy Godmother Foundation will have its third annual Purple Diamond Awards coming up on November 5th at 6 p.m. Those who want to participate or contribute, do they do the same thing? Contact you? How do they do that? They will go to our website to purchase tickets or to contact us at www.theblackfairygodmother.org. And to purchase tickets or tables, you will see on the screen November 5th, click on it and buy your ticket. Come out to this beautiful black tie event and celebrate with us. You basically had four black fairy godmothers, didn't you? Yes. And now you've turned that into helping others. It's a wonderful story, Simone, and it's an honor to have you on the show. Keep up the great work. Good luck with the foundation's third Purple Diamond Awards coming up in early November. We appreciate all you do, and so do many across the world. We need more Simone Gordons. Thanks a lot. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the WBGO Journal. I'm Doug Doyle. Join us next Saturday morning at 5.30 for another edition of the award-winning WBGO Journal. In the meantime, stay tuned to the world's greatest jazz station, WBGO and WBGO.org.